we'll all know in the next month or so, see how things go, but I'm very confident in this group. I think it's the best team we've had here on paper uh, since uh, I've been here for sure. I won't speak on Don Waddell's statement there literally at all. Uh, it just felt good going into my ear holes, so I decided to share it, and I now deeply regret using the term ear holes, but we're going to move forward. Uh, today's episode is going to be three separate stories. The first one, Stadium Series ticket sales, but not the controversy, uh, Stadium Upgrades slash an Entertainment District, and then we'll finish with Jordan Marnock. And we're going to finish with Jordan Marnock because that happened today, why I was getting this episode put together. And if I don't speak on it now, it's going to be old news. This is also going to be one of three new episodes I have coming out before Puck Drops for opening night. So today, there is this episode. And then on Monday, I'll have a conversation with Walt Ruff of, well, he's the team reporter. I'll also have Adam Gold from 99.9 FM, The Fan. Uh, and then on Wednesday, I'll do a crossover episode with the Sorgecast. So today's a big episode. Monday's a huge episode. Wednesday's a big episode. We've got a lot of good content, so this might be a good time to, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but share the show! Whatever, you know, you do what you want, but let's get into it. 9,393 days of frustration, and on the 934th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. Shortly after I released the episode on Wednesday, uh, I, the episode accidentally got posted at 1 p.m. instead of 5 a.m. because I don't know how to read a clock. And then two hours after that, it was like 3 p.m., Don Riddell said in a media scrum that the Carolina Hurricanes had sold 30,000 tickets to their season ticket member um, base. And that set an NHL record for Stadium Series. And... This is a highly impressive achievement, and we're going to get more into the details as I go deeper into the story, but just off the top, everyone should be proud of themselves, because, you know, how often does our fan base take flack for being a southern, non-traditional market in a hockey town? I'm sorry, in a college town. All the time. Still to this day. We were a cup contender, and people, well, that's a, you know, this Mickey Mouse franchise. Like, oh... Why don't we compare winning percentages, or how big our season ticket member base is? I mean, it's, it, it's always been a stupid comment by people who are either stuck in the past or, or too lazy to come up with better bits modern day. But this, the setting the record for 30,000, and then Tom Dundon did a very interesting interview with NHL.com, that, which we'll touch on as well, that... I don't know, guys. Just just feel good about being a Canes fan. We There's been a lot of good done lately. Uh, but to start this, I want to turn it over to Don Waddell talking about the Hurricane selling Stadium Series tickets to its 
season ticket members. Well, initially it was, you know, we get as many seats as we have. That's what they usually do in the building, which was 18,660. And we went through those really quick. So they've been gracious to give us as many as they can. They still have to hold back for their partners, uh, for other NHL teams. Every time you got a stadium series or one of these games, every team gets an opportunity to buy tickets. So they got to go through those processes also. So, you know, eventually, Whatever's not sold, I, I'm very confident we can sell for them. I love the confidence there by Waddell. Just a little cheeky. You know, if they don't sell them, we'll more than happy put them on the market. Uh, but we're going to turn to Tom Dundon. He did an interview that I will link below with the NHL.com. I will not cover all the contents in it, so go ahead and take a look at it. But he was asked uh, what he envisioned for the stadium series to look like? What the, like the actual game, the event? I think we're going to have events programmed all week in the city, and then we'll have a concert on Friday, February 17th. We'll have an outdoor festival kind of thing on campus there between the stadium and the arena on Saturday. Then we have an NC State basketball game against North Carolina on Sunday, February 19th. So there's stuff programmed all week throughout the entire city. I obviously can't speak for you, but it you know it's starting to feel more real, more tangible that this game is really coming now that we're getting more and more details, whether it's from the league and what they're planning to do at the actual event or what the organization is planning to do surrounding the event to help get fans engaged. But the interviewer, and I don't see his name on it, so I apologize, but it mentioned that the stadium series tickets sold very well and asked Tom Dundon about our season ticket member base. We probably have three times as many season ticket holders as when I bought the team. We're getting to the point now where you won't be able to sell full season tickets soon because you've got to leave some for individual seats for new fans. So that part of it's going really well. He was then asked for specifics around how many season ticket members there are. I think it went from less than 5,000 in the fours to 13 and a half, maybe almost 14, something like that. So he's clearly speaking in the thousands, by the way. So four to five thousand and then 14,000 now ballpark. And if you do the quickie math on that, that's like 80% of the building being sold every game just through season ticket members. You know, up until very recently, I don't know if there has ever been a time where someone could um, like actually imagine that the Hurricanes would have a waiting list to become a season ticket member. I was able to talk to Adam Gold about this when I had my conversation with him this morning. and Well, Friday morning, excuse me. And we talked about what it meant for the franchise to set the NHL record for the ticket sold for the stadium series. What does it say about the franchise that we set an NHL record for the stadium series tickets? As tickets that it was very open. They said from the beginning that they didn't think we were going to sell well in Carolina. And here we are setting the record. Um, anybody that thought that this wouldn't sell well, forget about the franchise. It has nothing to do with the franchise. But anybody that thought this wouldn't sell well doesn't know Raleigh. Big events? Oh, come on. Raleigh does big events. They will, they will come out. And it's funny because partial season ticket holders were told that they would have access to four tickets. 
And then they were told, sorry, only two. Because so many full season ticket holders grabbed all eight that they were eligible to grab. And while there are a lot of tickets to be had, uh, there aren't as many because the NHL keeps some for themselves. They keep some for the visiting team, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, Raleigh does big events. I remember having a conversation uh, with the Convention and Visitors Bureau. This goes back three years, four years. So this was right after Dundon took over and he wanted an outdoor game. So I asked, I just said, all right, are we going to have any problems selling out? And my friend at the Convention and Visitors Bureau said, Raleigh, uh-uh, no, ch- no problem at all. 50,000 seats, easy. I always think back to the All-Star game and the draft. I was a bit young for the draft, but the All-Star game, I remember that. It was a thing, even people I knew who weren't even hockey fans were like, well, let me go check out what's going on downtown. Because it was everywhere. You, they set up a like a fake ice rink uh, on Fayetteville Street Mall. Place was packed. Yep. yep. Raleigh loves big events. You know, it's funny. We have. Uh, I gripe a lot about a small town mentality about Raleigh, but when the lights go on, Raleigh shows, and it's. Uh, there was never a doubt that they would sell the tickets ever. Uh, that they that they sold them all so quickly. <laughs> uh, maybe that's a surprise, but not really. Not really. And frankly, I, I need to get scrambling to figure out how I'm going to get my two kids there. You better get them credentials fast. Let's go to WRL. Uh, yeah. Hey, they, they'll, they'll write something. Give them a pass. Come on. Exactly. If you want to hear more of Adam and I's conversation, you'll have to tune in Monday when I release the full conversation along with my conversation with Walt Ruff. From here, I'm going to transition to a subject I think actually kind of goes hand-in-hand with the stadium series, and that is the renovations of PNC Arena and the expansion of a entertainment district, let's call it that. Uh, The reason I think it goes hand-in-hand is because the Carolina Hurricanes of five years ago could not be trying to do what the modern-day Hurricanes are doing. Having 86% of your seats sold, or not 86, I'm sorry, just 80-something percent of your seats sold every game, no matter what, gives you the opportunity to invest more not only on your team and its players and your staff, which Dundon has done, you're also able to invest in the atmosphere, which is pretty important, and Dundon has always seen it that way. If you think back to prior to the Dundon regime, PNC was openly outdated. And it, honestly, I mean, it still very much is outdated. Um, it's, it's no secret that I love my barn and I will defend it. But if there was an arena in downtown Raleigh, would I complain about them moving there? N- n- no, probably not. So, and Dundon saw that from the beginning. Uh, he bought the team, hit the ground running with, well, our concessions need to be better. It, it needs to be a better atmosphere. There needs to be more for Kane's fans to do in the building. It needs to be easier for them to spend money in the building. And if you go in now compared to five years ago, you're going to see these new, like, uh, almost convenience stores type things 
instead of the traditional um, you know, walk-up concession stand. It's just like a convenience store. You walk in, there's cases with drinks, there's snacks, chips, stuff like that. You grab it, walk to your register, check out, you leave. The new Jumbotron, which does look fantastic, is a Dundon request. And the vision goes honestly on and on. He wants to add more seatings within the arena. He wants to, again, modernize it, create more event spaces to where if you're in the arena, you're not just sitting in your seat for 60 minutes and intermissions. Uh, but the biggest part of it, and it's been talked about for a few years now, is the expansion of the land around PNC to include like an entertainment district where there would be maybe other venues, hotels, restaurants, shops, uh, another destination so that the only thing, so it won't just be that PNC or Carter Finley are the only things drawing you to that part of town. This has actually been a, I don't want to say criticism of PNC Arena, but since forever, there have always been people who wanted PNC to be more than what it was. And I mean dating back to 1997 when they broke ground. Even farther back than that, in the mid-80s, when NC State was just looking to build a new basketball arena. The actual funny part about it to me is uh, Jamie V did not want the arena there. He wanted it downtown. So I've always wondered where the arena would have ended up if Jamie V hadn't been pushed out as athletic director. But that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, so the the TLDR on this one is the arena was supposed to be, well, the original plans for the arena was small because it was just supposed to be a basketball arena. There would be 14 home games a year and then concerts and some other summer events to try to draw in revenue. And then the North Carolina General Assembly created the Centennial Authority, which is the governing body of PNC Arena. And Steve Stroud, who was actually on the last episode of a Kane's Corner podcast with Adam Gold, uh, came in. He was put in charge of the Centennial Authority and was like, hey, yeah, this building isn't going to work. Playing 14 home games and a couple of concerts here and there aren't going to pay your bills. You need another team. You need another something to draw fans here. And they weren't particularly picky at the time. There was... Uh, Arena soccer that was pitched around, uh, minor league teams like Raleigh's Ice Caps of the ECHL. There was conversations with them about maybe relocating from Dornan Arena to this new building, which at the time they referred to as the Centennial Arena. That I mean, way before it was even thought about to be Raleigh Entertainment Sports Arena or RBC Center or now PNC Arena. Uh, and when that happened... There was a NHL expansion bid for Raleigh. It, it failed. To, it's actually an interesting story that I will tell one day, but it's not the point of this episode either. And the ownership group for that expansion bid wanted about a 21,000-seat arena. Ultimately, and not to dive too deep into City of Raleigh, Wake County politics from the mid-90s and early 2000s, but the mayor of Raleigh, and he wasn't alone here, but the mayor of Raleigh was a, a physically re conservative Republican who did not want to risk taxpayer funds on something that could maybe not work out. So he wanted to build the smallest arena possible, but still attract a major league hockey team at this point. 
And ultimately, neither side really got what they wanted. Uh, the mayor of Raleigh still thought we were spending too much, and the new ownership group didn't really love how small the building was. Uh, so changes like this have been proposed for a long time, and it's interesting that Dundon seems like he's finally going to get it done now. But the reason why this is in the headlines now is because the Centennial Authority commissioned a report from a um, consultant at CAA Icon. And there's a lot in this report, if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but th the main points here is that the Centennial Authority should definitely partner with Tom Dundon and get this done. In fact, I might be getting ahead of myself here. This is a quote from the report. The ancillary development is important, not just for the ability to entertain the Hurricanes potentially to extend the release, but more importantly as an important amenity to the community. It can create a different experience going to events here. Create a destination, a year-round destination that doesn't currently exist here. So Tom Dundon and Gale Force Winds Holdings, which is the holding company that owns the Carolina Hurricanes, would have forced right of refusal on any development plans. In layman's terms, that pretty much means that the Hurricanes would have to say, hey, we are not interested in taking part in this, which they wouldn't do. They are very, very interested in it. They are a driving force in this. If the Carolina Hurricanes did go down this road and they did make this investment, it would change a lot of things for the organization going forward. Not only would they have a much larger investment in the community, but actually, let me not get ahead of myself. Listen to Don Waddell explain how this would just change the lease negotiations. Uh, if you're going to develop property, you're probably looking at you know 50 to uh, 75 years. You know. They use if you're going to put, put a lot of money in real estate, hotels, you know, making a development, you need the arena to be uh, successful also, and you need the hockey team and NC State to be part of it. Yeah, you don't have to adjust your headset. Nothing was misunderstood. You're not having a stroke. Everything's fine. He really did say a 50 to 75 year extension, because this would be hundreds of millions of dollars invested by Tom Dundon and the organization. And there was no way that they would just abandon that. So all these rumors, which don't really persist at the moment, but did persist before Dundon bought the team and then his first few years of maybe he's moving the team to Houston or whatever, would be dead. Because no one, especially a businessman, would be willing to walk away from such a large financial investment. And not to be that guy, but just to... As more evidence about how when people are saying Dundon only bought the team to move it, uh, no. Because things like this don't just happen. The Centennial Authority took almost 20 years to build PNC. It's a very, it's, it's a government institution. Everything there moves like molasses. So for Tom Dundon and Don Waddell to be getting this done and for it to, you know, for the, uh, pieces of it to start being shown to the public, this took years of work. I almost guarantee it. Tom Dundon has been trying to get this stadium series game since he bought the team. I guarantee you he has been working on this entertainment complex for the same amount of time. In fact, Don Riddell kind of said that that was the case. 
I'm excited that it's starting to be talked about publicly. You know, we've been working on it for a long time. So, um, you know, now most of the stakeholders have all been involved, uh, which is encouraging. Nobody's throwing any roadblocks up. Uh, so, you know, to me, it's just another step to potentially get this thing moving in the direction we need it to move in. Okay, no, he didn't expressly say that. But, you know, we read between the lines here. And don't go jumping any guns yet. It's not like they're going to have this done by the end of next season. This is going to be a long, drawn-out process. And not just because the Centennial Authority is involved. Real estate development as a whole is just terribly slow. North Hills, modern-day North Hills, if you live in Raleigh, you know what it is. North Hills started being planned out in like 2004, 2005. They're not done with it. Uh, but it started being planned almost 20 years ago. These things take time. And Don Riddell was nice enough to actually lay out the timetable for us. You're probably at least three years before you'd ever even think about seeing a shovel in the ground. So it's it's a process. As Dan said, it's a phase, phase process. You know, this could take 10 years to build out. interrupt this program to bring you a special report. I was done with this episode. I <laughs> I was completely done with this episode. And then the Carolina Hurricanes did something which I kind of expected, mainly because of a conversation I had earlier today, and that I didn't really think they had the cojones to do. At 1.50 p.m., Walt Ruff tweeted that forward, Jordan Marnock will be placed on waivers today with the following statement from Don Riddell. It's vital that we maximize our flexibility prior to finalizing the opening day roster. Our expectation is that Jordan will be a part of our group as we try to bring a championship to Raleigh this season. Part of the reason this wasn't surprising to me is because I'd already talked about how I thought Marnock was going to be on the hot seat. And the other part of it was because of a convers- the conversation I had with Adam Gold. Again, you will hear the full conversation on Monday, along with my conversation with Walt Ruff. But let me just play you this tiny clip. By the way, I don't think it'll be, it shouldn't be a surprise if they decide to put Martinook through waivers too. Um, not to send him to the minors, but uh, as a paper move to create the cap room. I don't think anybody's going to claim Martin Hook off waivers. Uh, although I, I, it could be, um, but I don't think anybody will. I also think it's possible that Jack Drury starts the year in the minor leagues. We had this conversation at 10 a.m. this morning <laughs> or 10 a.m. Friday morning. Oh, neither of us knew anything. We were making best guests and predictions on the season. And it just so happened that maybe three hours after that conversation ended. Oh, by the way, I ended up texting him right after the news broke. Uh, my exact words were, wow, you sure called that one. And he responded by telling me, actually, I take no credit here. This was all Corey LaViolette. He floated the idea to me. I liked it, and I ran with it. Which is funny, because it just seems like Corey LaViolette, who covers the team for the North State Journal, and now has a weekly piece in The Athletic, 
seems to be popping up everywhere because I'm also going to use Cory Laviolette in my explanation on why this Marnuk move is not the biggest deal in the world. Now, is there a chance Marnuk does not stay? I mean, yes, it's, it is a business that's bound to happen. But Laviolette wrote a piece for the North State Journal, which I will link down below, which explains why they did this. The NHL opening day roster is due by Monday at 5 p.m. The Hurricanes want to maximize as much of the cap relief they're going to get from Jake Gardner as possible. To do that, they have to, I mean, galaxy brain it, but on a very professional level. <laughs> and that's what this move is. It's just trying to create cap space. Corvi Laviolette wrote it up much better than I can ever explain it without just quoting him. And at that point, go ahead and read the article. It's not behind a paywall. It's in the description below. Ultimately, the team still wants Marnuk, though hoping he clears waivers, and maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, he already has and everything's fine. Or maybe, God forbid, knock on wood, he was claimed, in which case the Marty party has ended in Raleigh for now. Ultimately, none of us will know until he either gets claimed or clears waivers, you know, almost a day after I have recorded this episode. So... You know more than I do at this moment. Congratulations. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. I hope you liked your little taste of Adam Gold, because, again, he'll be back. Uh, Got a lot of big things planned for this season, more than I thought I would, honestly. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening, as always. Links in the bio for the News and Observer report on stadium upgrades. Corey Laviolette's piece about Jordan Marnock, which I just mentioned, and Tom Dundon's interview with NHL.com. Also, if you follow us on Twitter, I have completely rebranded that account. Uh, it is no longer based solely on the podcast, but me as the stupid personality that I am. Our Instagram will still remain just based on the podcast, and so will Facebook. And of course, I will still tweet updates and out the link for every podcast episode via that account i just thought it'd be better to position it more as my account as a personality rather than the show none of that's the point thank you for listening make sure you come back on monday for an extra special episode that you guys would normally never get and hear my full conversation with adam gold and walt ruff wednesday opening night crossover with the Sorgecast. be there or be square i'll see you guys on monday